Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So there's been a disappearance. It's I'm not sure it's made all of like the TV news stations yet. You've got a you know the 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 blonde attractive female. Uh, there's like a there's like a glamour shot of her and she's missing, but it hasn't really it hasn't really captured America's attention yet. At least on the the TV news side. Yeah, I mean it's it's being reported in publications and in social media. But not on TV for some reason, which is weird because it's not following that pattern that we've heard so much about. The disappearance of a liberal social media influencer. Don't know where she is. Don't know who she is. Don't know if she is. Her name is or isn't Erica Marsh. And uh, apparently fans of One Tree Hill have been quick to point out that that's the character's name. Um. One of the characters naming that is, I guess, TV show. Uh, never watched the show, so I have no idea. But over the course of an eight-month period, Erica Marsh became one of the most consistently viral left-wing voices. In other words, stuff she would tweet out would just, you know, go viral, just sweep through social media on Twitter. She picked up more than a hundred thirty thousand followers. And they loved her hyper-liberal, often melodramatic opinions on the biggest flashpoints in American news. She's been especially popular with conservatives, too, who promote her as a perfect symbol of how overly theatrical and inane liberals can be. Just one problem, says the Washington Post. She's probably a fake. We... I still am not sure if this is a real person or not. Erica Marsh. This does have larger implications. I still don't know if she's real. Her uh, social media or Twitter profile, she calls herself a proud Democrat, says she lives in Washington, D.C., but she doesn't show up in any voting records. She doesn't show up in any phone records. The Biden presidential campaign, where she said she worked as a field organizer, they say they have no record of her, nor does the Obama Foundation, where she also claimed to have volunteered. And that's that's the thing about those types of positions. You can volunteer and work on campaigns and maybe there is no record of you, so it doesn't actually prove one way or the other. But if she's making these claims, maybe she's real and she made the claims in order to give herself some credibility or she's not real and she uses these claims so they're unverifiable while giving her an air of credibility. Her only other known social media profile is on TikTok, the Kami uh, video sharing uh, and data scraping and image collecting uh, app that all the teenagers love. But that just posts copies of her tweets. It's never included her speaking on camera, dancing on camera, or doing any of those stupid challenges on camera. Doesn't, doesn't ever show her face either. It's just her tweets. 
and a digital imaging expert says that the three purported selfies that she did post on Twitter showing a young, smiling, blonde woman bear the hallmarks of digital manipulation. Um, uh, John Scott Railton. He's a senior researcher at the Citizen Lab at the University of Toronto, uh, where they study citizens and they, I think, produce a bunch of citizens from test tubes. Um, And he says, I strongly suspect that this person does not exist. It's as if she dropped from the moon and arrived fully formed with this narrative that makes liberals look like idiots. On this, I agree with him that uh, she she does make liberals look like idiots, but not all the time. In fact, the vast majority of the stuff that she posts are no different. The tweets are no different in content, style, or substance than what the pundits on TV say. In, in fact, sometimes it's verbatim, like almost as if she got talking points, which, by the way, do exist. They send them out. In fact, this White House has hired influencers, quote-unquote, on social media, young kids, and they give them the material, and then they do their theatrical reads of the talking points. I think probably the uh, the current uh, flavor of the uh, of the week is the, was Harry Sisson, I think is his name, and it just, his videos consist of him, like, too close to the camera, screaming at you, with like this rosacea thing going on his face. He's like all ruddy, red-faced and stuff. And he's like, I don't know, 14, 15, 16 years old or something. And he's just screaming these talking points. And he like, he shakes his head a lot. He bobs his head a lot. So he's got this like poofy hair and it like bounces around. And I guess that makes him dreamy or something. But get this. After the Washington Post raised questions about the account with employees of Twitter, specifically their trust and safety department, the account was suspended for unknown reasons. So Washington Post, yeah, still got it. They can still get you banned. Yeah, I mean, Elon may have bought it and fired a whole bunch of people. Totally destroyed the platform. But the Washington Post apparently can still get people banned. But it raises this question of what's called attention farming. I had never heard this term before I read this article. Attention farming. You post messages so polarizing and incendiary, it's essentially, uh, the tactic is rage baiting. You rage bait. You try to get people so angry at what you've said that that gets gets, uh, you elevation in your profile. More people are talking about you. You get greater influence, attention farming. Now, for what purpose, we don't really know because this account, this Erica Marsh account, doesn't ever seem to have uh, monetized it to a large degree. She did have at one point a Venmo link, which is where it's like an app where you can send money directly to somebody. But But it hasn't been active in a long time, so... Maybe she just made a bunch of money off of that and then took the link away or something. She That account hasn't even been around for a year. Eight months. And it it rose to 130,000 followers. This thing influenced millions and millions of people. And, and this account was created 
right before Elon Musk took over. Firing out a series, a rapid fire series of left leaning tweets and requests for people to retweet if they agreed, the tactic worked. In November and December, she was gaining a thousand followers a day. It's unclear where the account's photos came from. There are some theories. I've got one that I think is the most believable. Some of her tweets were copied word for word from other big left-wing accounts or trending tweets. So plagiarism, basically. See something that's, that's trending, and so you just take their words, put it in your tweet, and send it out. But others almost read like liberal caricatures. There's a famous one, I think it's called Titania... McGrath and it is it's a parody account and it is so over the top like it says the stupidest things that it's obviously a parody but it's using the left's own own arguments and she would get or he whoever it was that was running the account would in the early days would be quoted in news stories as oh here's a here's one Twitter user who says this so The fact that this account started when it did, according to one former employee of Twitter um, who left the company after Musk took over, spoke on condition of anonymity because they were afraid of harassment. They say the company has seen a rush of accounts out of North Macedonia around October 22, posing as pro-Trump influencers and offering up the same style of over-the-top clickbait tweets. October of 2022 out of Macedonia. So is there is there any reason to believe that this might be part of that operation? Because the point is not to win the political argument. The point is to cause the chaos. It's to cause the division. It's to amass a, a following that you can then influence for whatever purpose. Not sure, but when you need to use it for whatever purpose you decide, now you have an army to do so. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Erica Marsh was this super popular, out-of-nowhere phenom on Twitter, popping off all of these lefty talking points and statements and got all this engagement and got all of these uh, retweets and likes and clicks and everything else. But now there's a... Now there is a distancing. The great distancing has occurred. And she has disappeared. Her account has been suspended. Why? Because of what she said in the wake of the Supreme Court's affirmative action ruling. And this is why people on the left think she's a parody account. Based on, based on the tweets after the ruling. I'll get to it. But I'm not so sure, and I'm not so sure she's, she's part of a troll farm either. I still don't know if she's a parody or a real account. Don't know if she's a person or 
somebody, you know, a bunch of people at a troll farm. Troll farms from North Macedonia uh, started amping up these uh, uh, this campaign right around October 22. They predominantly apparently posed as Trump influencers. And that's one way you can tell is if uh, you start getting harassed or something and there, somebody's like uber, uber Trump supporter and you see they joined in October 22, then you got a pretty good idea. Like that's probably a North Macedonia troll farm employee. They run sensationalist websites. They've taken over Facebook pages in the hopes of pulling in ad money from angry readers in America. And it doesn't matter their political leanings. Okay, so I'm not pointing out these Trump uh, supporting profiles as a way to hurt Trump. They do it on the left as well. This is, by the way, what I've been saying from the beginning about the Internet Research Agency, the IRA, the Russian troll farm that the left believes swung the whole election for Trump. It did not. They were playing both sides. In fact, we had we had a, a protest right here in Charlotte that was was it Black Matters Live or something like that, and they 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 organized a demonstration and they got help from some Russian woman who was followed uh, followed around by like a seven foot four hundred pound Russian bodyguard that never spoke right, and we're supposed to believe that. That, that was all on the up and up. No, they, they're playing both sides. They're trying to cause division. It's unclear whether this woman's account, the Erica Marsh account, was part of that kind of campaign. But it shares a lot of the characteristics of the networks of fake political accounts that were created in the run-up to the 22 midterms. The accounts were often run from foreign countries. They opine on divisive current events while posing as politically active Americans. They tended to use profile pictures taken from around the Internet to create a persona that seemed relatable or engaging. Young women, teachers, veterans. And they used exaggerated political stances to stir up controversy, to draw readers' ire and build an audience, either to score political points or monetize the account, maybe by changing its name and content in the months to come, right? So once you get people to follow your account, then, and, and they they in uh, they interact and engage with you, clicking like or retweeting it or what, amplifying your message. You're more likely because the algorithm says, "Oh, you like this guy's account," and so now it's more likely to show you those posts. And then after the election's over, maybe now they start posting some content with some links that send you someplace, and maybe they steal a bunch of your information, right? Or maybe they get you to donate to a quote cause or campaign. The Erica Marsh account profile for a couple months included a link to a Venmo account, which would have allowed readers to send her money. And maybe that's what it was all about. And that's where it ended. I don't know. But she was still tweeting. Maybe they didn't expect it to get that big, and then it did. The tweet that she sent out about the Supreme Court's affirmative action, uh, uh, affirmative action decision racked up 22 million views. 22 million views. And she has said, this account has said, quote, I am not a parody. So the the account holder denies that this is some sort of satirical uh, account. Here's what she tweeted. Quote, today's Supreme Court decision is a direct attack on black people. No black person will be able to succeed in a merit-based system 
which is exactly why affirmative action-based programs were needed. Today's decision is a travesty. That's the tweet that went viral. Do you know why? You can tell why, right? Yeah, you could. Yeah, it went viral because she's saying black people cannot get into schools based on merit. And so she was called a racist. She then asked if anybody had a defamation lawyer who works on contingency to, to direct message her, indicating that she was going to start suing people or something. And then she posted a follow-up to explain herself. And what's the number one rule of holes? Stop digging. Yeah, if you're in the hole, stop digging. And she did not. So this fake, maybe not fake, Erica Marsh Twitter account, after the affirmative action ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court comes down, she says it is a direct attack on black people. No black person will be able to succeed in a merit-based system. And she got ratioed. She got attacked and dragged for saying that because it's like really racisty to say that. So then she responds a couple hours later saying, allow me to clarify this tweet, which is being manipulated for propaganda and misinformation by Ultra MAGA, all capitalized. The intention of my tweet is to highlight that prior to affirmative action, there existed a supposedly merit-based system for black individuals to gain admission to colleges. However, these institutions employed racial profiling to prevent black individuals from attending under the guise of this merit system. I want to emphasize that my statement in no way suggests that black individuals are less intelligent than people of other races. Which, of course, like this statement she puts out leads to yet another round of criticism. Right? Because what she's saying then is that these liberal institutions of higher learning, the colleges, are all like they're all racists. So they're going to limit who gets in based on race. You can't trust the progressives running the campus admissions office. You can't trust liberals to to not discriminate. But eventually what did it was the Washington Post asking, yo, what's up with this woman, this account? Is this parody or what? Because nobody could believe on the left that somebody would articulate that message. But last week we went over... Many examples of these arguments being advanced by the left. Some people believe the page is a, that her account, her profile, is a conservative masquerading as a Democrat in order to discredit liberals. If it is, it is the longest con I've ever seen. That you would tweet for months and months and months pay for the the verification badge never let the mask slip until that one time um back on april 3rd the page shared a video claiming to be outside trump tower don't know if that was her or not and um at one point saying everybody calling me a bot got me worried that i might actually be a bot thank you to bot sentinel for confirming that i am not a bot so she went to this, and I, I use Bot, uh, Bot Sentinel. I use that uh, site also. You type in somebody's uh, Twitter handle, and it'll tell you if they're engaging in bot-like or disruptive type of activities. 
Now, there is a guy named Greg Bolden. He's the host of America and Bolden. And he says this is not a real person. Doesn't exist. Does not exist. It is election interference. And it's starting early. This is an account bot linked to Belgium, he says. So not North Macedonia, but Belgium. He names a guy named Michael Zakrau, who is behind the liberal dystopian bot triggering conservatives. He is a digital marketing search engine optimization guy who labels himself as social selling. That's what he does. Social selling. Digital marketing SEO. So what is happening is that people are hiring firms to create division. This is not exclusive to Democrats. You should question all divisive content that tries to manufacture outrage without any kind of balance, he says. Social selling is a practice that uses what he calls path models. And the reason that that they do this is to change people's minds in order to manipulate them. This goes hand in glove, by the way, with a study came out several years ago, five, I guess five, six years ago or so. Believe the guy's last name was Epstein, no relation to the one who didn't kill himself, but he, he looked at how search results on the internet can swing elections and found he could do it. They, they did it. They, they built like a fake Google they put a bunch of people in there, and they were like, they built all these profiles of candidates and such. And first they find, you know, most people don't ever look past the, uh, the first page. Like 90% of people never scroll past the first page of results. And whatever the first link is at the very top, when your results come back, that's what most people click. And they read that article, and that's it. So if you're researching candidates, and you do a Google search for each of the two candidates... If the top result is a negative result, you're going to have a negative opinion about that candidate and vice versa if, if it's a positive result. And what's, a, what's most troubling is that the people who do that become more entrenched in their view because I did the research. So now they have this, they have a feeling that like they're invested in it now. And you can manipulate the outcome of elections based on search engine results. That is really scary. Because does the algorithm know who you should vote for based on your browser history? Like, that's kind of scary. The computer AI is making these decisions. Or maybe somebody else at, at the search engine company is making those decisions. Social selling creates a path model to change minds and manipulate people. This is the danger of these kinds of accounts. They are the modern-day equivalent of mind control, and they are highly effective at influence. Imagine influencing people on which candidates might be, oh, I don't know, racist. Eventually, the label sticks without any evidence that supports the claim. They become out of favor with the electorate, and the side pushing the influence gets their candidate. Now, Heavy.com reporter Jessica McBride tracked down this guy, Michael Zachrau, the CEO of Reinhold Consulting. I believe he's German. 
Not that we should draw any conclusions about that in the mind control business, but he responded to an email asking whether he knew the woman in the photo and who it was. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Michael Zakrau, CEO, uh, that's how he pronounces it, I believe. Uh, He's the CEO of Reinhold Consulting. He was asked whether... He knows this woman in the photo, who it is. Can you tell us that? Because there's this belief, according to some internet sleuths, that this guy is behind the account. And so they, heavy.com asks, do you know the woman in the photo? Here's what he says. Since last Friday, my Twitter page... Sorry, I will not read the whole thing like that. But, I mean, he's German, so anyway... Since last Friday, my Twitter page has been kind of flooded by some dubious people. Most Trumpists, alt-right, Putin fans, etc. <laughs> claiming I am the origin of the Erica Marsh page. Or I would control bots to influence the U.S. election. To make it crystal clear, I do not run any bots nor anything near to this. To your question... You notice what he, okay, to, to your question, I don't know who the person is, but my website, Michael Zahau, is mirroring my latest tweets slash timeline. And so it could have happened that you found the picture of any person on my website. I consider myself as a moderate liberal who is focusing on solutions. Oh, just like me. And therefore, I mean, the focusing on the solutions part, um, and therefore willing to cooperate with moderate and normal conservatives like Kinzinger and company. <laughs> Adam Kinzinger, because of course, uh-huh. But I do not tolerate the radical parts of the left and the right. I love the American and especially the USA, but I am more than disgusted by Trump and the Christo-fascists. Maybe some people in Russia and in the U.S. can learn a lot by the German who went so wrong in the 20th century. I support the Ukrainian people in their self-defense against Russian aggression. So dude's kind of all over the map, right? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just asked, do you know the person? (laughs) I just asked, do you know who this person is? And he goes on to that, that kind of a rabbit trail. And I don't know if the guy is behind the account. I'm I'm not really I'm not really believing that he's completely oblivious to it. But with the 24 election coming up, I urge you, as I will myself, to be vigilant for these types of accounts. 
whether they come from Germany or the FBI. Oh, I mean, uh, Facebook, sorry. Although, is there a difference, really, anymore? So yesterday, on July 4th, a U.S. district judge out of Louisiana granted an injunction in response to a lawsuit brought by attorneys general in Louisiana and in Missouri. Their lawsuit alleged that the federal government overstepped in its efforts to convince, quote-unquote, social media companies to address postings that could result in vaccine hesitancy during the COVID-19 pandemic or affect elections. This is a piece by Jim Salter at the Washington Times. The judge in the case, U.S. District Judge Terry Doughty, Doughty, D-O-U-G-H-T-Y, Doughty. I'm, I'm saying Doughty, Doughty, Doughty. I'm saying Doughty. Doughty cited substantial evidence of a far-reaching censorship campaign. He wrote that the evidence produced thus far depicts an almost dystopian scenario. During the COVID-19 pandemic, a period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty, the United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian ministry of truth. See, this is the connection between the Erica Marsh story and this, uh, this ruling, which we'll go into more in depth after the news. Is that when the people have access behind the curtain, right, the people who have that access, and they want you to see what they want you to see, they can make you think it's your own idea, and they can, they can move the society in certain directions. Because you know as well as I do, a lot of people, when they didn't see a competing message or they saw the labels and warnings getting slapped on people's posts that were questioning the efficacy of masks early on, when they were you know, arguing against the lockdowns, saying there's no authority, when people like me were critical of, Governor Roy Cooper and his, uh, his ED, his emergency declaration, of course, right? And, and the stay-at-home orders and, like, wait a minute, I don't really think you've got the authority to do this. You don't have the, the power to do this sort of thing. When those messages get throttled or labeled, right, it opens up, what did the guy call it, model paths, model pathways, in, and it acts as de facto censorship via a third party, a private entity, the government telling the private companies, hey, flag this account, flag that account, flag this one. And the social media companies complying. Now, people on the left will say, and they said this all during the, uh, the pandemic as well, they said, it. well, that's not censorship because that's a private company making those decisions. And that's true. I mean, it is censorship. Because censorship does not need to be just from the government. Like, I can self-censor. That's still a censorship, right? So the private companies are doing the actual censoring. However, it doesn't look any different than if the government was doing it. Same result, right? They're doing an end run around the Constitution. And that's what this judge now decided. So to what aim? 
for what purposes. And if you've got people inside of the government that want to affect the outcomes and they can go to allies in tech companies and get the outcomes they want, well, you're talking, you know, controls over the lever. They'll do it.